Matthew 10, verse 20 to 39. Matthew 10, verse 20 to 39. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but those who stand firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Students are not above their teacher, nor servants above their master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever publicly acknowledges me, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever publicly disowns me, I will disown before my father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. Your enemies will be the members of your own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Amen. The next verse you'll be taking is John 3:16 all the way to 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Amen. I would like to introduce the one who will be speaking. It's in the name of Reverend Kingsley Kwaisi. He's our resident pastor, Pastor Kingsley. Amen. My help cometh from the Lord, the Lord which made heaven and earth. He said, 
He will not suffer thy foot, thy foot to be moved. The Lord that keepeth thee, He will not slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shed upon thy right hand, upon that right hand. No, the sun shall not smite thee by day, not the moon by night, he shall preserve. at my help I help come it from the Lord the Lord with made heaven and earth he said he will not suffer thy foot thy foot to be moved the Lord that keepeth thee he will not slumber nor sleep can we join me sing? For the Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shed upon thy right hand, whether it's safety or
unto thee. We are not coming to any man. We are not coming to a man that lies. I come unto thee. I come unto thee. For the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shame. Upon thy right hand, upon thy right hand, oh, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night, for my God, he shall preserve my soul. My help, Lebo Siketaba. My Lebo Suketas. All of my help come and flow. I said, My help, your help. Father, we come to you. Father, this morning we are so thankful. The gift of life, the privilege of fellowship, the opportunity to bring worship. Lord, we are here to hear from you, not from a man. Definitely not from this little boy with no ideas and with, with, with no experience. Lord, I come as a vessel only will you please speak to your church will you please speak to a mother here speak to a father speak to a son speak to a missionary speak lord to a sinner speak lord we want to hear you i want to hear you will you speak lord uh, speak we are here to hear in jesus name we resist every work of the enemy. We bring the flesh under control of the spirit. We silence the voice of the accuser. We overthrow kingdoms of this world. The idols in our heart. We overthrow them. That God will be God today. Over his word, over his people, over the worship. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, today my sermon is entitled Purpose for Missions. But I always do. I like to start with us from somewhere, you know. So I talk a little about the church. This whole year, so I'm talking about purpose of missions. So this year we're talking about shine. And this quarter is spreading the light. And today 
My assignment is to talk about purpose of God's missions. The purpose, the reason behind why God has a mission or God's mission should look like. So those of you for the first time, especially the visitors and the guests, I preach always with four Ps. So I'm very easily predictable. Very easy. So I will do a little introduction and then I will talk about proposition, what I'm talking about. What is the purpose for God's mission? And then I try to talk about why we are talking about the subject. The purpose of the purpose of God's mission. It really sounds like tautology, right? But that's how I do. And then I talk about the process. How does God show the purpose of his mission? And then I talk about the outcomes. I call that the product. What comes out of it? When we understand the purpose of God's mission. And then I beg of you for a response. So this is how my preaching is going to be in 27 minutes. So that is what I'm going to talk about today. But quickly, this is the mission of Calvary Baptist Church. And you're welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. So we talk about to celebrate, to connect, and to contribute. Three C's. That's how I refer to the mission. But the full sentence is to exalt God. In, can we all do it together? To exalt God in worship grow towards Christian maturity, and reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why Calvary Baptist Church exists. And then our vision is to be a vibrant, can we do all that together? A vibrant, impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so I have three reflections for you in the next few minutes as I teach. The first I want you to reflect on, Is it God's mission or yours? God's mission or yours? Then the second I want you to reflect on, is it God's glory or your glory? God's glory or your glory? And then the third is, why do we suffer? I heard a preacher talk about that Jesus suffered for us and that reason we should not suffer. Jesus was made poor, therefore you should never be poor. Jesus went to the cross, therefore you should not carry your cross. I said, what kind of teaching is this? But today it's popular. Few of them are coming back home, so they are renouncing what they used to call the prosperity gospel. But today we'll reflect on this area. God's mission God's glory, and why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? So I have a long introduction. And today I'm quoting few people, some of you who like to read. I'm, I'm quoting John Piper a lot in most of the things I'm teaching. John Piper, it's, uh, uh, or was, he's retired now. Bethlehem Baptist in Minnesota, those of you used to John. Yeah, and uh, he's an alumni of Whitten College, so I'm forced to read few of his materials. Yeah, so, and then I talk about Steve Hartron a bit. So, I start introduction and I talk about the mission. So, what is mission? And I'm talking about God is a missionary God. God is a missionary God. God is ascending God. He's been on the move from the beginning. You just imagine. God made the earth. He put a man in. And then in the cool of the day, God takes steps to come and have fellowship with man. And so, he established right from beginning of a relationship and a fellowship. And then something went wrong in Genesis chapter 3. 
And immediately in chapter 3, he starts to speak of what he would do to redeem the cosmos, the creation, and the people. And immediately God had that idea. He starts to break it down that he's on a mission. And we want to really discover that today. So there is a big word they use in the Latin as missio Dei. As the mission of God. Dei is God in Latin. And then it talks about God's activity in the world through the redemptive work of Christ. To bring the kingdom rule over his creation. So you will get to know that everything God has been doing, all the various activities of God in calling people, in sending people, in empowering people, in blessing people, was about the Missio Day. It's about the mission of God. And I believe that Compassion International, it's all about the mission of God. And I will show everyone, that's why you are here, you moved. And you came down here and everybody moves from their home and go to places where God will show them. So the purpose of God's mission through the story of the Bible can be seen in double direction. And today that's what I'm going to try to expand. In a double direction of God's glory. So God out of his own nature of glory. And I'll try and break down his glory. Mama, God out of his own nature of glory begin to reveal himself. We can that call general revelation or special revelation. He does it to the world. And then he expects them to bring back the glory to himself. That's why I talk about a double direction. And I'm going to break it down as I teach on what is the proposition. So that's my first proposition that I'm offering to you. Let's do a quick scan. Any of us who went to Bible school, they would do the New Testament survey, the Old Testament survey. Sometimes they help us to understand a particular topic by scanning through scripture. And I'm doing a quick survey here. So in Genesis chapter 11, there was a tower of Babel. And then the people decide not to go God's way. And so God decided to confuse their language. He scatters them. And then after chapter 11 verse 11, you begin to see the genealogy. And the whole essence of the genealogy was to talk about a man called Terah. And so Terah had a son, but had three of them. He had Abram, he had Nahor, and then I think he had one other one uh, who gave birth to Lot, the third one. The point is this, you quickly see that God then appears. You can call that a special revelation. God appears to Abraham, and there in verse 7, Bible says, And Abraham built an altar to offer sacrifice, to bring worship. And it begins to go on. And the whole day, he, he tells them to move. Actually, he told Terah to move from his people to Canaan, but he got comfortable in the way. So where he got stuck and he died, God then decided to call Abraham to continue the journey. And many of us, that's the story of our families, of the things God had planned for us. And somehow it gets stuck. Because God's mission is bigger. He doesn't give up. And he starts to work the details. And that is why we had the Exodus. So he tells them of what is yet to come. And they all go into it and they come and God starts to specifically tell them about the things he would do if they would bring worship. So the whole essence of Moses showing up in Pharaoh was to tell them, let my people go so that they would worship. They come to the promised land and then God begins to tell them what it means to live among foreigners. That he does not expect them to take his glory and give to idols. Because he cannot share his glory with idols. He is God all by himself. And then he says, 
If you decide to build me a temple, I don't stay in the temple, but I will show you your glory. So Solomon now builds a temple after God had decided to listen to David. And then he says, anybody who turns into this temple to worship, I will hear, I will listen. Okay, so these are the two things I'm going to grapple with. And I'm giving you this because I'm going to break it down in the next few minutes. And then the people decided to desecrate the man who saw most of God's glory. And that's what I battle in prayer today. That it's possible to experience so much glory of God. And yet you can live and forget about how God looks like. And I think it looks like the church in Ghana. That God can do so much for us from where we have come from. And it comes to a place we forget God. And, Ab- and Solomon forgot God. Started doing all the things God did not want him to do. He started right. But Solomon missed it along the way. So the whole temple, God says, I will take my name out of it. I am going to scatter you because God had an intention for his mission. What the temple ought to be. And if the temple is not going to serve that purpose, he's going to then scatter them among the nations. So the exile came until they returned to build, but they knew that the glory was not as it was from the beginning. So from 400 years, there was silence. Look between Malachi and Matthew. I'm doing the entire Bible so very quickly in this few minutes. And then Jesus shows up. To talk about the express image of who God is. And what God has been about from day one. And then Paul talks about for Christ's sake. I go through all the things that I go through. Because I want God's glory to be manifested. And then when you go to Revelation chapter 21. You will see that in the new Jerusalem. In the heavenlies there is no need of light. Because the lamp that is Jesus had become the light of the place. But not only, in verse 26 of 21, you will see that all the glories of the nations have been gathered and they have brought back to our God. It starts from a garden, but it finishes in the city. It's the mission of God. And that's what we're going to break down. If your mind is wondering, it's okay. Because I wanted to stir your mind a bit of how the Bible looks like. It is one meta-narrative. It's one big story. It is not a disjointed stories of prophets who live in different time and dispensations. The Bible has one single story. Told by many people at different times. It's one big story. One big, I call it the meta-narrative. So what is God's purpose? What am I proposing? John says this. As I told you, I've been mentioning a few of them. So John Papa did a lot of study. And one of the things he pulled out was that God's glory is the primary purpose for mission. Please let this thing sink in. If all that you got today was this statement, is enough. God's glory is the primary purpose for mission. Mission exists because worship does not. Therefore, worship is the fuel and goal of missions. That is why in heaven we will not do missions. A married couple will ask, what does that concern me? It means that God decides to put a glory on a marriage. And that glory reflects of himself. And the whole essence of why people will be looking at your marriage is that they can bring glory to God. So God gives you a glory and he expects the glory to reflect among your friends. How you treat your wife. How you treat the children. 
how you be the man of the home. That's God's glory. So God is giving you glory. You see how I acknowledge you today. That's how God wants to acknowledge his church when they come in. So this is glory. It's an intrinsic worth. It's a substance. It's a brilliance and it's beauty. So sometimes we talk about the beauty of his holiness. What God is made up of is his glory. When God says we shouldn't worship idols, it's not because he's just jealous. It's because you know that whatever you worship, you reflect. If you start to worship little things, you begin to reflect little things. Idols who are callous, you begin to be very wicked and callous. If you worship a God who is honoring, faithful, loving, compassionate, you begin to reflect that. So when God is jealous about you not settling for idols and settling for people who are so limiting, it's because of who he is and how he cares about you. Glory is the intrinsic worth of God. It is the very, what God's full embodiment looks like, the brilliance and his beauty. And I'm saying that glory is the primary purpose why we go on missions. And I'm talking about the purpose of mission. So this is one of the theologians I refer to. So he's a British theologian, but he spent most of his time in India. Leslie Newbegin. Some of you may be familiar with his materials. When he talks about mission, these are like authorities in terms of their reflections on theology, right? So Leslie writes, at the heart of mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus and to give him the service of our lives. At the heart of mission is thanksgiving and praise. You see, because the nations do not know our God, we go there to proclaim how God is so that they may come to know him and in knowing him, they would give him the praise and the glory. That is why we go on mission. Look, compassion. What you do with these children is that they will not be orphans that are not cared for. That somehow they will feel the love of God because you, all of you sitting here, you sponsor a little child. Do you know what you're doing? You are giving them the dignity that reflects on the imago Dei, the image of God. And when that happens, the children look up to God and give him the glory. That's how mission happens with compassion. So the woman who sells kinky, we say, how does the mission of God happens? Pastor, I sell kinky. I don't do theology. I tell you, we call it the street theology. So the kinky seller knows that the men fellowship love kinky. Oh, we have kinky parties. Yesterday you missed it if you didn't come for the prayer. Why do you eat some of the kinky? So the woman needs to understand that Bible says whether we eat or we drink. We must give glory to God. If you do a bad kinky with water from the gutter and I eat my stomach runs, I can't give God the glory. So the kinky woman must carry the mission day knowing that by cooking of kinky in a appropriate way that is honoring and that is healthy for the body, people will give praise and thanksgiving to our God. You see how the mission day is not for the pastor. It's for everyone who is concerned about God's glory. Oh, can I talk about the lawyer? Oh, can I talk about the teacher? Can I, can I talk about the, the housewife? Because sometimes people feel that if you're not in full employment and you're a housewife, how do you reflect God's glory? And today there are many women who will never settle for housewife because they don't see the mind of God in being a housewife. And so it feels like you're, 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 you are left behind. There is no value to you because you take care of the home. 
Who said that? If anybody is that, go and read about Susanna Wesley. She preached better than John Wesley's father. But the church in England will not let Susanna mount the pulpit. So she will open her windows after her chores and begin to speak to the people on the street. John Wesley got inspiration not from the father, it was from the mother. Tell me a housewife who understands her role that in raising the next generation of people who fears and understands and honors God, it's a mission day, it's a calling of God, it's the mission of God. And by the home, he's bringing glory. And that housewife will not sleep on the job, who will go on their knees to pray over food, over the children before they leave for school, over the cleaning of the house, so that when people come into that house, they meet the glory of God. Who says that you cannot reflect the glory of God where you are? I didn't come here to confuse you with big theological terms. It's not my assignment. It's to let you know that God has a purpose for his mission. And every one of us can find ourselves. So how do we do this? So he said at the heart of mission is thanksgiving and praise. Whatever you are doing for people can look at it and give thanks to God. You are in mission. You are on mission. This is it. So what is God's mission in chapter 10? He said, as you go and preach about the kingdom of heaven. You know, and I always tell people the difference is that Matthew is a typical Jew. So in his writing, he will not write kingdom of God. Because for the Jew, when you write God, it's a big deal. In Luke, who is a Gentile like us, he writes a lot of the kingdom of God. So it's the same thing. Alright, but let me bring the emphasis here. He says, when you go preach about the kingdom of heaven. How does the kingdom of heaven look like? You know, in the kingdom, there are no orphans. In the kingdom, there are no hungry people. That's how compassion feeds the children. You know, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, there is no sickness. That is why doctors go to work, to reflect the kingdom in the work they do. You know, in the kingdom, there are no, there are no destitutes. It says, tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. The glory of God is near. This is the message he gives to them. So the radical mission will cost you everything. Jesus said, do you know because you are going on this mission, even the members of your household will be enemies. In fact, it looks like because your father might not agree with you, it's like I have come with a sword to separate the father from the son, the daughter-in-law from the mother-in-law. Because this message is so radical. What the culture says is that when people hurt you, hurt them. When people insult you, insult back. When the culture says that everything that is wrong, do it back to the people. Jesus said, no, go with a radical message. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. That in the kingdom we love our enemies we don't hate our enemies in the kingdom we actually extend food to the hungry in the kingdom it's a radical thing so your mother-in-law will not agree with you your father-in-law might not agree with you who you are sitting even your brothers might not agree with you but that's how the kingdom looks like so it would be like you are against everybody or everybody is against you and sometimes they will threaten to kill you this is what it looks like but it says do not be afraid for those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but don't you know that even the hair on your head is numbered? That means even one false armor. He said the sparrows, look at sparrows. How they are sold. It appears that when they sell two of them, they give into swore. Like one can fall to the ground and nobody cares about it. Even that, he says, me, me, God, I know about it. Are you no more valuable than sparrows? Are you no more valuable? That you'll be worried that because you are on God's mission and you want to do the kinky the right way because you want to be a right husband and all your friends says that, Charlie, if you're allowed to treat your woman nice like that, very soon after a year, 
she will over you. Don't be nice. Don't be cooking for your wife. Don't be treating her nice. So this is what he sends them to go and do. It's a radical message. And it may cost you everything. Even your life. But don't worry. I am with you. Amen. Can we finish this? I think the message is come home. So the purpose of God's mission through the story of the Bible can be seen in the double direction. I've explained this. Can we go ahead quickly? So, so why do we evangelize? People will ask. So the word evangelization is the fullest expression of God revealing the glory to the nations. The purpose of the world evangelization is for God to receive the glory back. So we go to nations. When we say nations, we are not talking about countries per se. It's ethno. Ethno in original terms like people groups. So in Ghana, there are still about nine people groups we have not reached. That means that there is not more than about a hundred of them who have come into saving knowledge and who are planting church in their local dialect or have a Bible translated into their language. So they own the gospel. So you can say, oh, Ghana is 70%. But perhaps there are some 2% people groups. Nobody has reached out to them. And I think that is where Mama Dora and the team comes in. That they will not be comfortable in Accra and Tema. And sometimes they will go all the way. Is it Sal? Zwarigu. That is why they go to some of those places to be able to reach out to the ethno, the nations. So that when you go and you put a desk for those children to read a book, he's telling them that the education matters, their life matters, God cares about them. And when that child sits on that comfortable desk and they start to read the Bible, or start to study science or mass, they give praise and thanks to God. Mission is complete. Are you hearing yourself? When God is revealed to the world, when God's glory is revealed to the world, the world can give the glory back to him. Have you forgotten Matthew 5, 16? He said, let your light so shine. That light is really the glory of God inside you. Oh, you remember, he said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. When that Christ in you shows to the world, he said, let your light shine so that the world will see and do what? And give back this is what it does. We'll give back to him. Let, let, let's look at these two things quickly. The Lord's Prayer. How do we pray it? When Jesus, when, when the people came to him, Luke 11, he said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, say this, our Father, who art in heaven. And then he brings about how to honor him. He says, says hallowed be your name. Honor to your name. Glory to your name. It doesn't end there. The next thing is, thy heart, kingdom, that is mission. Jesus from the Lord's prayer taught how mission ought to be. Because the chief purpose of mission is God's hallowing of his name. That his kingdom will come. In his kingdom is justice. In his kingdom is righteousness. In his kingdom is fairness. He said, let your kingdom come. So everywhere, like in this community, you have children who cannot read and write. And Mama Joanna will gather them in, we'll call it a, a library. He says, come and let me help you to read. Because in the kingdom, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, there cannot be any children who are ignorant when there is knowledge abundant. So we start to extend to them ability to read and write. What are we doing? The kingdom has come to the children. Right in this community, the kingdom has come. He said, let your kingdom come. Jesus' prayer of glory. When you look at John chapter 17, so these are two major prayers. If you start, it almost looked like Jesus was looking for attention. 
Joel, is it possible to project John 17 briefly? Just maybe verse 1 to 3. Let's look at something quickly as I bring my message to an end. Jesus' prayer of glory. Let's review that quickly. It it was not in our main test, if it's possible. After this, Jesus went around. No, 17, 17. So, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And then he realized that there are few things he hasn't. So, he said he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son. That your son may... A lot of you come to pray for God to show himself, to glorify himself in you. When the glory come, you said, this church Christ is not powerful. I need to look for something else. No, some people have been so blessed. A time comes, it says, Sunday is time for golf. But this guy a few years ago was begging God for a job. Now he has a job and Sunday is for golfing. It says, for you granted him authority over all people. That he might give eternal life. Verse 3. Quickly. Now this is eternal life. That you may know you the true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4. I'll end there. Quickly. Verse 4. And now father. Glorify me in your presence. Okay. I have brought you glory on earth. By completing the work you gave me. To do the glory so everything that he's been involved thank you everything he's been involved in has been the glory he said for the job i have completed i have brought you so sometimes when good people live and die they don't write what a shock they say called to glory he's, 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 he's called into a higher glory he's finished now let's come back the process so how does god do it in matthew chapter 10 quickly you see that he calls the people He sends them and he provides resources, especially the Holy Spirit. He said, look, when you are called to a place where it's difficult to answer, you have no clue what to say. Just know that the spirit of your father will be speaking through you. So you don't need to worry about the right things to say. When you go to the office and everybody in the office say that it's okay to be corrupt. It's okay to have a side chick. It's okay to do all the wrong things. Bible says that you don't need to worry. The spirit of the Lord will give you what? the right words to use at that moment. Amen? You know, some of us don't want to show that we are Christians at the workplace. We actually deny Jesus publicly. But if somebody comes and says, oh, so for, hey, pastor, who are you looking for? I'm looking for Osumesi. I'm looking for brother John. John? Brother John? John? Who who is John? Hey, this guy, does he go to your church? Like the people are surprised. Look, nobody is in the secret service of God. You understand what I'm saying? There are people who say we are secret Christians. Like we don't want anybody to know that we are Christians. No, no, no. Our calling is personal, but it's never private. Our calling is what? It's personal, but it's never private. God always intended for his glory word to be seen. And that was the anger of Jesus towards the temple. The temple was built by Jews, but it was not only for Jews. It says, unto this place shall what the nations pray. So for my house shall be called a house of prayer for what? All nations, all people groups. But you have made it a tent of thieves. And I always tell you, what they were stealing in the church was not the money they were meddling. It was God's glory. It was God's glory. I know it. It was God's glory. He assures us his presence and protects our soul. 
Now, let me show you something that will, I don't know whether you can see from where you are. First, can you see the picture well? Okay. So there are two levels here. You can see there's a left one and a right one. And then the arrow moves around into the temple. The small item inside is a temple. So think of the big Jerusalem temple. God made it an attractive force. He said, come to the blessing. And that was what we read in 1 Kings chapter 9. Concerning the prayer Solomon prayed for the temple. That whoever comes to this temple, Father, you will hear. And your glory will be upon them. But somehow they missed it. So there was a first part of an attractional force. This is what uh, I think uh, Jonathan Lewis teaches when he talks about mission. Two forces. So, for example... God can bless this couple, Philip and Natalie. And then he makes you an attractive force. That everybody who looks to you begin to get inspiration to do what is right. Then you become like a temple to which the whole attention is on you. Because God wants to honor his name. He starts to provide for you. He gives you all the children he wants. You start to make it big. Say, hey, all your friends who thought marriage was bad. Just say, Charlie Philip, how can you help us? Charlie, we need to marry. We see your life is changed. There is favor. There is glory. That's an attraction. He, he did the temple the same way. So that everybody can see his glory in the temple. But guess what? Philip can then say, Charlie, me now, I be wild guy. It is my effort and strength I have done this. Me have stop going to church. Charlie, forget about it. It's me. And then when you start to forget it, then definitely the glory then decides to go back. You are not giving the glory back to God. God begins to redraw himself. Like he withdrew from Israel. Then Babylonians will come and attack the very temple you thought it was a big deal. Anytime God blesses us, God brings honor. It is not for us. It's for us to showcase him. And if we start to eat that and start to think it's us, God starts to withdraw. In fact, God doesn't just withdraw. He sends attacks like Babylonians, to come and raid the thing. Then you have nothing to stand for. But even that is his purpose. So then he moves. Now he takes them right from the temple. He says, I'm throwing you straight into the world. So he scatters them like Joseph. It looks like a very way his friends, his brothers were getting rid of him. But guess what happened? He sends them right back into the world to showcase his glory like Daniel. Talk, talk about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So a time comes and the king Nebuchadnezzar insists that everybody should bow and worship an image. They said no. King, we are not careful in this matter. We will not even try to worship. We know whom we worship. And we can put us into this fire. But we know God will do what? Will deliver us. But just in case he does not we will not. So then they become a fool of God's glory in where? In foreign lands. So we call that what? An expansive force of mission. We go to the nations. This is what really Jesus left us. Said, go to the world. Go to the world. So there is a two way to be able to fulfill this mission. It's either by come and see come and see or go and tell. Does it make sense to you? Is somebody being blessed here? It sounds very teaching, not preaching. So I can feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're finishing. So how does God do it? Jonathan talked about it. So go and tell. That means that one who has experienced the glory goes to spread the fame and speak about the name of God. So Joseph in the house of Potiphar, Joseph knew in his heart that he has to honor God in that house. So if even there was a scholarship from the mistress, if even at a job, which God is taking you there, and your boss says you are the nicest person and he wants to do all the wrong things with you, you need to remember God's mission. That you've been sent out. So there is an attraction one. Come and see in the church what God is doing. And there is a part at the job where we say go and tell of what God can do. 
Does it make sense? I'm finishing eh? Can, can we go on, sir? What must come out of this? If you look into the Matthew chapter 10, there are a few things. Number one, I can guarantee you, suffering will come out of this. No, I am not a preacher to tell you because Jesus went to the cross, you will not have your own cross. No, we read it in Matthew 10. It says, if they will chase you, if they persecute you, flee. Some of you will have to leave your job for the sake of your integrity. No, it's worth it. He said, flee from one city of Israel to another. What he's saying is that if the place you are, you are showcasing the glory, they will not. And they want you to compromise. And some of you have lost jobs. I've talked to a few people in this particular government who had to lose their jobs. And I, I sent a message to them. I said, it is okay to suffer because of what you stand for. Your board can come against you because they want you to pay monies you don't have to pay. And you know it is wrong to pay. So tell them it's okay to lose their jobs. Tell them. It's part of the package. He says, Peter asked Jesus, we have left everything and we have come to you. What shall we receive? He said, you will have hundredfold and also with persecution. Today we don't preach about that. It's okay to lose your job if your integrity is at stake. It's okay. It's okay to be put into prison like Joseph because you said you will not sleep with your boss wife. It's okay. Young ladies, it's okay not to have a job simply because the boss will not give you the job because you didn't sleep with him. It's okay. To be unemployed for a season. For a time. It's okay. God will bring everything to light. Look, it's just a matter of time. Joseph will come back from prison. It took some years. Maybe 13 years. But it's a matter of time. Whatever you are dealing with right now, I came to preach to you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't compromise on the values. On God's mission, it's a matter of time. You will go through things. It will be like they have the upper hand. They will lie about you. They will get the press after you. But it's only a matter of time. But Jesus said, everything they say in secret will be exposed. All the test messages they sent you are not aware. It will be exposed. I'm speaking to somebody. Say, God will bring everything to light. Everything. Nothing will be hidden from God. It's a matter of time. If it doesn't come in this season, the next season it will come. It will come. It says, don't fear any man. Look, I said it's an error to come and bow to God and still go and bow to men. It's an error. Mordecai said, hey man, I will not bow to you. I only bow to a God. You can do your worst. You can connive with the king. You can sell the Jews to death. It's a matter of time. Look, in this mission, we cannot fear a man. We cannot fear a woman. We only fear God. Because what a man can do is only touch your body. It can never touch your soul. You are so secured in Christ. If the devil dares to touch your soul. Remember Job. Remember Job. Christ honors us before God in heaven. He says, and for everyone who does this, I will honor. Look, some of you, you haven't seen an honor yet. No, you have not. You, you think that getting married to a beautiful wife is an honor. That's good. But there's another honor. It's an honor where God himself positions you in a place. It's undebatable. It is not with struggle. God honors. When God says he will honor you, it's like he's going to speak to you or speak before someone who is grand about you. So that matters that you have no hand in it, it works for your good. You don't know when someone says, I have the ear of the king. Jesus said, I will acknowledge you before my father in heaven. Matthew chapter 10. That is an honor. And then there is a reward. Sometimes we think that this suffering will suffer because we are on God's mission. Because you are using the right water to cook kinky and other people are doing the wrong things. Because you are paying taxes. 
And so your price comes up and it's higher than those who run away from taxes and sell inferior goods. So you think you are losing. It's just a matter of time. God will honor you by doing the right things. Are you hearing me? What's your response as I finish? Where does it hurt most this morning? Is it about family? Is it about work? Is it about church? Where does it hurt? Will you buy your hairs with me? Where does it hurt? How will you spread the fame of God this week? What is God doing in your life that it needs telling to your friends? That you are going through some hard stuff, but God has not left you. You see his mighty hand. Sometimes the economy gets so hard. And you know that some people are chilling because they are doing all the wrong things. But you are going through a difficult time. But you need to know that God is with you right there. And what is it that you need to talk to God about? And why have you seen his glory to speak to it about to the nations? This is a prayer I wanted to pray today.